Praise the Lord, everybody. If we could all stand tonight, we're just going to start off with just some worship and praise and singing today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 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 I will choose to bless you. I will choose to praise you. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. I will choose to honor. I will choose to worship. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 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 I will choose to bless you. I will choose to praise you. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. I will choose to honor, will choose to worship. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. And you're good. You're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. You're good, you're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. You're good, you're good. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 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 I will choose to bless you. I will choose to praise you. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. 
and I will choose to honor, I will choose to worship, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And you're good, you're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good, you're good, you're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. Can we all sing that tonight? You're good. You're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. You're good, you're good, no matter what my circumstance, you're good. I will choose to bless you, I will choose to praise you. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. And I will choose to honor. I will choose to worship. No matter what my circumstance, you're good. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 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 We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you, the living God. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We lift up and exalt you who alone is worthy of worship. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord. We worship you tonight. We worship you tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. Isn't he so good? Praise the Lord. I, we sing that song. I think of the words of the psalmist. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know, it's one thing to find the goodness of God. It's another thing for his goodness to follow us. To follow us. Praise God. Aren't you thankful? He is so good in every way. He's so good. God bless you. After you turn and shake someone's hand there nearby, you can be seated. It's wonderful to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. You're good to us. Amen. Praise God. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, it's great to have you here. I want to I want to dive into the word of the Lord. I um I was telling Brother Ethan before service, I said, the way the Holy Ghost has been talking to me, I feel like I could teach for three or four hours tonight. And he he said, oh, man, Dad, I've been sitting on a hard bench a lot today. I said, well, these seats are comfortable. No, I um, thank God for that. I... um, I promise I'm going to seek to say no more than what the Holy Ghost wants to say, but uh, amen. Would you grab your Bible and go with me to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the book of beginnings. Uh, We are going to, the Holy Ghost is keeping us in a vein that we have been in for several weeks. Uh, I don't, uh, as a general rule, and I, I don't know if in my life I've ever taught a series. I know that's sometimes a popular thing to do. Um, sometimes I think I'm going to teach a series. I get this inspiration from the Lord, and he starts giving all the stuff, and I think I've even expressed before, we're going to teach this a while, and then we'll teach it once, and the Holy Ghost takes us a different direction. We never come back for months on end, but here we are. There is a thread of the Spirit that remains, and it is a result of God trying to bring us to Himself in a manner like He never has for the work that He's going to do that He has never done, and that is end-time harvest. It is end-time harvest. And we see principles of the Word of God, and so let's dive in. Genesis chapter 6. Chapter 7, see there, we're moving quickly, aren't you thankful? We just shaved off 30 minutes right there. Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 1. I want to hear from the Lord, don't you? I want to hear from the Lord. And I'm asking him to write, as his word says he would, upon the fleshly tables of our heart. I don't want it in my head knowledge. I want the Lord to write upon the fleshy tables of my heart. Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house. Everybody say, all thy house. I like that. Into the ark. For you have I seen righteous before me in this generation. What a compliment from God. If we would have read in chapter 6, the scripture says that men's hearts were evil continually. And every man just did that which was right in his own eyes. But the Lord said of Noah, oh, you moved on me. 
I have seen you righteous before me in this generation. I want you to notice this. Noah, when everybody around you was doing evil, when everybody around you was doing what was right in their own eyes, when everybody else was doing what was popular and commonly accepted and everybody else was living the way they wanted to live in their own manner and justifying their actions and doing what they wanted to do, you were definitely the minority, Noah, but I saw you and I was watching you. And Noah, you were righteous before me even in this unrighteous generation. What a testimony Noah had. You want to be used of God for the salvation of souls. Noah's life's worth taking a look at. Amen. Now, it's not what I'm going to talk about tonight, but there we have it. At least not, well, we'll see. Verse 2. Of every clean beast you shall take to thee by sevens, the male and his feet. Some of you are like, what? I thought it was two by two. Well, that's why we're reading the word, so we know what's in there. Of every clean beast you shall take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Now, I want you to notice something. I think that's where we stopped in that chapter. Is that right, Brother Renee? Okay, good. Turn with me to chapter 8. See, we just got through all of chapter 7. We're moving quickly here. Chapter 8, verse number 6, I think is where we started. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days... Now the flood has come. The Lord has shut the door therein. It's, it's rained 40 days, 40 nights. came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Watch verse 7. He sent forth a raven. Everybody say a raven. Which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Verse 8. Also he sent forth a dove. Say a dove. A dove from him to see if the waters were abated from the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned to him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him into the ark. He stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth." And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove which returned not again unto him any more. And then skip down towards the end of that chapter, if you would, to verse 20. And Noah builded an altar. Unto the Lord. And he took of every 
What did he take of? He took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Amen. Now, I know we read a little bit of scripture there tonight. And it's important to us. I want us to see something here that I, I have never seen before. Maybe some of you have, and I thank God for that. I, we find this interesting story in the history of mankind that probably all of us have heard in some form or fashion in our life. Noah and the ark. But we see something established here by God that is a precedent in the book of beginnings. And for sake of time tonight, I, I was joking there at the beginning, we're going to jump through some things uh, as the Holy Ghost would move us along. But I want you to notice he took in seven of the clean and just pairs of the unclean. This was the design of God with purpose. God, even in creation, differentiated between clean and unclean. He had a dividing line. God always has dividing lines. We know in the beginning he had light and darkness, and he separated the light from darkness, and he designed light to rule over darkness. He created clean and unclean, and he divided the two. And we see that Moses, or Moses, Noah has the ark, and he takes in seven clean animals and pairs of unclean animals. Why? Well, we see the revelation and the understanding of this when the ark is now emptied out, and Noah builds an altar. Notice it was very clearly pointed out to us in the Word of God. He sacrificed of every clean beast and of every clean fowl. Bear with me. We're getting somewhere. Noah knew, I don't offer an unclean sacrifice. I don't bring... These, these pairs, the only reason there's two of them is so that they can reproduce. And as long as there's uncleanness, it's going to reproduce. But I want you to take seven of the clean on the ark because they're going to reproduce. My plan is that there would be more clean reproduced than unclean, but I also want you to know there's going to be some sacrifice required when you come off. And there better be clean for sacrifice, because I will not accept an unclean sacrifice. And so we see this principle here in the beginning. I paused and we read there in chapter 8 that Noah, when he first opened the window, sent out a raven and a dove. The raven was unclean. The dove was clean. This was God's design. There is an understanding we need to grasp here. This unclean raven went out, and when he went out, the scripture says he went to and fro upon the earth. The raven never returned. The dove went out and came back. 
And seven days later, Noah sent him out again, and the dove went out, and he came back with an olive branch. Notice the first time he went out, the scripture says the reason the dove returned is it was evidence he found no place for the sole of his foot. The third time, seven days later, Noah sent the dove out and he returned not. It told Noah something. Notice again, the raven went out and never returned. Clearly, the raven found a place for his foot. Which tells us an unclean beast is content to be somewhere that a clean fowl is not. The unclean is willing to eat some things that the clean would not eat. I am certain that because of the flood and the abating of the waters, there were dead animals laying about. There were carcasses, no doubt, on mountaintops that still, had, as the water began to abate. And the raven could go out, this unclean animal, and could fly around and undoubtedly find something to satisfy his hunger. Why? Because he was not concerned with what he took in. He was not concerned with what he partook of. He was glad to eat whatever was available. He didn't worry about clean or unclean. He just went and satisfied himself. But the dove, the dove was a clean animal. And so the dove would go out and would see something that those that had no concern about the unclean saw differently. And the dove said, I can't eat of that. I won't dare ingest that. I'm clean. There's a reason today you and I don't go, oh, I'm hungry. Let me go shoot a raven and roast it over the fire. But there's a reason we don't think twice about eating doves. Now, maybe you've never ate dove. I have. Dove hunting is a big deal in the South, and you eat them. They're clean animals. There is something to be understood here. God differentiates between the unclean and the clean. He always draws a distinction. And you and I must recognize that he expects the same of us. In Exodus chapter 10, and we're going to come back there in just a second to Noah, but I want us to see this. Exodus chapter I think 10, 11, Exodus chapter 11, verse 7, watch. We're at the end of the plagues upon Egypt because Israel has been captive there and the Lord has been bringing plagues upon the Egyptians, which of course is a type and shadow of sin and bondage of God's people. And we see in Exodus 11 and 7, the Lord says... Speaking of this plagues, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. Why? So that you may know. The Lord was wanting Egypt to know and he was wanting Israel to know. I want the world to know and I want my people to know that the Lord puts a difference. Everybody say, he puts a difference. The Lord puts a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. 
Egypt, a type and shadow of sin and bondage and this world. Israel, God's chosen people, separated, set apart. We're talking about clean and unclean, holy and unholy. And the scripture is clear and God is clear. I separate the two. You can't blend the two. You can't mix the two. I have to bring separation. I have to bring division. This is the design of God. And he wanted Israel to understand on this, the last plague, which was the passing over and the death of the firstborn. You need to understand this plague isn't going to affect you. But the reason why is I want you to realize as God, I always put a difference between my people and the world. I don't expect you when you leave Egypt to look like Egypt. I don't expect you when you leave Egypt to act like Egypt. I don't expect you when you leave Egypt to talk like, walk like, sing like, dance like, worship like, praise like Egypt. I'm bringing you out of bondage because I've chosen you to myself. I put a difference between Egypt and Israel. This is a principle of God. And we saw it in the ark, the difference between clean and unclean. And we see this measure where there is this raven that goes and eats whatever, partakes of whatever, thinks nothing of it because he's not concerned with how he lives. He's not concerned with what he takes in. He's not concerned with what he processes. He'll just eat anything, take anything. It doesn't matter, but the dove is careful. The dove is clean. The dove says, no, I can't partake of that. Do you understand and recognize the symbolism here in this raven and this dove? As a child of God, I can't just go out and set the sole of my foot anywhere. As a child of God, I can't just eat anything spiritually Otherwise, I have to look and say, hold on a minute. I've been set apart. God puts a difference between me and between the world. And as a result, when I go out, if I find no place that's sacred and clean and holy, then what do I do? I return back to the altar. I return back to my maker. I purpose that I'll not partake of the unclean thing to satisfy myself. The raven could be satisfied with anything. How is it that there are fads that come and go in the world? And that people lay hold on the latest fad, the latest craze, the latest this, the latest that. What is it? It's the spirit of a raven says, I don't care. I'll just take in anything. If it satisfies me today, I'll find something else to satisfy me tomorrow. It doesn't matter. I'm not picky. What, what feeds me today? That works. What feeds me tomorrow? That works. What? The, oh, I don't know. This, this doesn't taste good anymore. Let me just go find something else. And they'll satiate their appetite, but never satisfy the longing of the soul. It's a spirit of an unclean. No difference. No difference between Israel and Egypt. God puts a difference. And God will not 
I'm going to say this clearly. God will not accept an unclean sacrifice. Noah knew that. He knew that. And so he took that which was clean and offered it to the Lord. And the scripture says the Lord smelt a sweet savor. Why was it sweet unto the Lord? Because it was a clean sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 very familiar to you and I, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul, appealing to the church, says, I beg you, therefore. Do you see that? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is what I'm beseeching of you, brethren, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. And this is how I want it to be presented. Holy. I want a holy sacrifice. I want a clean sacrifice. I want a body that's been set apart and separated unto me. I want a clean sacrifice. I'm begging you, Paul says, by God's mercies, Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, that could say clean, acceptable unto God, which is just your reasonable service. And then he clarifies this holiness, this separation, this acceptable sacrifice. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world. Israel, don't try to look like Egypt. Don't try to act like Egypt. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a difference between clean and unclean. I have watched, no doubt when I was younger, I even mocked, God forgive me. I would make statements like, Man, you know, I don't know. Some of those people are just old-fashioned. Now, I'm not opposed to changing music along the journey. I'm not opposed to different songs that magnify and glorify God. You understand? And I'm just using songs as an example. But there are some things where Egypt has tried to creep into the church. And the church has said, you know what? You should pray with me for a minute. Really, pray with me. God, what you want to say, how you want us to understand, what you want us to hear. What you want us to hear, Father. What you want us to hear, Father. In Jesus' name. We have watched elements of Egypt creep into the church and we've justified it in terms of being relevant 
of appealing to the masses, drawing the crowd. And I'm telling you, God despises it. He puts separation between Egypt and Israel. He didn't intend for them to sing like the Egyptians. He gave Miriam a song to sing, and it wasn't one she learned in Egypt. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. God has triumphed gloriously. We need distinction. We need separation. That's what holiness is. It's not just separate to be separate. Separated unto God. Clean unto God. He brought me out of Egypt. I don't want to look like Egypt. I don't want to act like Egypt. I don't want to walk like Egypt. I don't want to talk like Jesus or Egypt. I want to speak his words. I want to hear his voice. I want people to see him. I want them to hear him. I don't want it to be flavored with Egypt so it appeals to somebody. His word is pure. His word is right. His spirit is pure. His spirit is right. It's what people are truly hungering for. And so for the Lord to use us fully and completely in us, I mean the church. It's got to be a church that's separated and set apart. Holy unto the Lord. That's an acceptable sacrifice. It's an acceptable sacrifice. You know, we don't, we don't talk often of conviction. There is a difference between doctrine and conviction. There are things in the Word of God that are absolutes. Thou shalt not. This is sin. There are the intent and the design of a New Testament church is that we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then, notice Holy Ghost. And then we are led by the Holy Ghost. It becomes the guide of our life. He becomes the guide of our life. He directs our thoughts. He directs our steps. He directs our conversation. He directs our life. And there are things where the Holy Ghost will direct us that he may direct one and not another. And those things can become convictions. The Holy Ghost can deal with one about an area and not deal with another about it. You with me? I'm going to give you some broad examples. Lying is a sin. There's no gray area. You with me? Scripture is very clear. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. It's pretty plain, isn't it? Okay, that's, that's black and white. That's a sin. There are some things that are convictions that I have in my life that I would not come and say, hey, the Word says you shall not do this. These are things God has dealt with me specifically about. I'm going to give you an example. Okay? Some of you are getting nervous already. I felt you clench. I'm 51 years old, 
And I have been to a movie theater twice in my life. Twice. The first time I was six. And I was taken by somebody, which once my mom found out, it was totally against her will. And I saw Bambi and Gus. Now, everybody knows who Bambi is. Some of you don't know who Gus is. Gus was a mule that kicked footballs. I still remember. That's the first time I ever went to a movie theater. I was six years old. The next time I went, I was 34 years old, I think. And Bishop took me. You guys are like, what? I can tell that shook some of you up. And there was about 10 or 12 or 15 of us that went all together after church one night. Some of you, I got your attention now, don't I? Yeah. We went after church one night and we went and watched the Passion of the Christ. Everybody was talking about it. We're like, we want to understand what people are seeing and we want to be able to have a conversation about it. It's only two times in my life I've been to the movie theater. Now, I would not stand here tonight and tell you it is a sin and you'll go to hell if you go to a movie theater. I know some people that would tell you that. I wouldn't tell you that. I'll tell you this. I won't. It's a conviction. It's something the Holy Ghost has dealt with me about. Now, why? I want to draw separation. Between Egypt and Israel. Between the clean and... Now, I'm going to tell you this. You may not go to hell for going to a movie theater. But what you entertain when you're in there can send you to hell. You understand the distinction? See, that's where the Holy Ghost has got to lead us and guide us. And so, here's what I've learned. I can walk in. Somebody's going to say, oh, Brother Hart started preaching against movie theaters tonight. You take that however you take it. I've noticed that they have like now 10, 12, however many different movies showing. Is that, I don't know, a bunch. More than one. Here's what I decided. I can go in there and watch Bambi. But somebody sees me walking out. They don't know what I was in there watching. And so now my testimony. You say, well, you can't people judge. No, but I got to guard my testimony. You understand? And so we need when the Lord separates the unclean from the clean and the holy from the unholy. What are we doing? We're saying, I need the Holy Ghost to lead me and guide me. And God, if you call this unclean, I don't want any part of it. When's the last time you asked God, God, put convictions in my life. Deal with me about some things in my life. Any place where I can be separated. I'm not talking about rules and you understand. That's what people want. Let me tell you what you can do. Let me tell you what you can't do. Let me tell you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a deep abiding relationship with God where I'm separated unto him and I allow him to begin to direct my steps and I recognize, hold on a minute, I'm not a raven. I can't partake of that thing. That's unclean. That's not pleasing to God. Therefore, I separate myself from that. 
Oh, you think you're better. No, 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 no. It's not about better than. You understand. It's about separated unto the living God who has purchased me with his own blood. I no longer belong to myself. I belong to him. And he's looking for a holy and acceptable sacrifice that he can work with. And so it's my desire by his grace operating through me and by obedience to his spirit that he has given me that it would lead and direct my life so that I separate from that which is unclean. Not of my goodness, but by his grace and leading in my life. He desires separation. This is God's design. Now watch in Ezekiel. You're getting the really condensed version tonight. Everybody said, thank God. Ezekiel. I hope that's on there because I can't. I lost my bookmark up here. Thank you, Jesus and Brother Renee. Ezekiel chapter 22 and 23. Prophet Ezekiel says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, If you'll listen to the word of God, it doesn't take much to hear our world in this passage of Scripture. Son of man, say unto her, you are the land that is not cleansed or unclean, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. Verse 25, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. I want to pause right there just a minute. I want you to see what... Ezekiel was prophesying under the unction of the Lord. Notice, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. And like a roaring lion, hold hold, hold on a minute. Where have I heard that before? Like a roaring lion. Ever heard that before? Oh, yeah, that describes the devil and Peter, doesn't it? Who goes about like a roaring lion seeking. Oh, except the Lord said this is the prophets in the midst of a land. And they're like a roaring lion. And notice the choice of words. What are they doing? They're ravening. I just saw that. I didn't see that before. Noah sent out a raven. You see the choice of words? Same root. They're ravening the prey. Who's the prey? Read the next part. They have devoured souls. I'm going to tell you what this is. This is prophets that are not declaring the word of God in truth. And they have fellowshiped Egypt... And they are teachers who heap to themselves men have itching ears. And they're not interested. They're not interested in obeying and separation and holiness unto God. Here's what it sounds like. Do what you want. God loves you anyway. Live how you want. It doesn't matter. Grace is enough. There's no need to be separated from the world. That's old-fashioned 
this idea of separation and guidelines and holiness unto God. It doesn't matter if you look like and act like and walk like and talk like and dress like. He loves you anyway and he'll forgive you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. That's true. But if I don't allow the Spirit of God to bring distinction and separation, it will destroy my soul. This is what he's talking about. There's a conspiracy of a prophet. They're not in it for the souls to save them. They're in it for themselves. They're feeding themselves. They're a roaring lion ravening the prey, and the prey is souls. And they may not even realize what they're doing, but it's because they're not listening to the Spirit of God. They haven't separated themselves unto God. They've allowed Egypt to continue to abide in their spirit, and it's affecting what's coming out of their mouth. And they're teaching to people who are hearing and receiving as though it's truth, even though it's seasoned with a lie. And it's prophecy from in a conspiracy, the scripture says, and they're devouring souls. And watch, they've taken the treasure and precious things, and they've made many widows in the midst thereof. Continue there, verse 20, whatever comes next. Her priests have violated my law. Watch, they have profaned my holy things. Not even holy anymore. The very ones that I, the ones that I tasked with. The priests. I ta- you understand, the prophets declared the word of God. The priest bore the responsibility of keeping sacred and holy and set apart. And he said, the priests violated my law. They profaned my holy things. And here he brings judgment. They have put no difference. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? They've put no difference between what's holy and what's profane. The line is gone now. Used to be holy. This was profane. It was very clear. This didn't come into the presence of God. But no, there's no line anymore. The priest who I have commissioned and charged with this responsibility, the priests themselves no longer put a difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. They've hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And this is what ultimately happens. The Lord said, I am profaned among them. Someone please hear me. When I choose not to draw a difference between the unclean and clean, between the holy and the profane, in time... If I continue to compromise and I won't draw that distinction and allow the Spirit of God to draw those lines and convictions and distinctions in my life, I'll come to a point where I profane God. And He's no longer holy to me. That's what happened. Verse 27, her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves. Ravening the prey. What we're reading here in Ezekiel is the end result of no longer separating between holy and unholy. Of no longer differentiating between clean and unclean. It's the reason Paul said, we read it a week or two ago, 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto myself. And I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters unto me. It's the word of the Lord. The princes are like wolves ravening the prey, shed blood. And to notice the result is the same. Destroying souls. And getting dishonest gain. If it stopped there, it's tragic enough. But I want you to see the next verse. Her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them. They've even gotten to the place where they're saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hasn't even spoken. See, this is the path. When there's no longer distinction between the people of God and Egypt. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and the needy. Yea, they've oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Please see verse 30. Remember the Lord's talking. And the Lord said, And I sought for a man among them. I wanted a man that would make up the hedge, that would stand in the gap before me for the land. What land? The land he just described that's in this place of destitution and desolation and devouring and ravening and destruction of souls. The Lord said, I sought. I was looking for a man. I just wanted one man. If I could find a man that would stand in the hedge, that would make up the gap for me, for the land, if he would come and do that so I wouldn't destroy it because all of their action, where they are, the uncleanness, the perversion, the desolation, it deserves destruction. But if I could find a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, I'm looking for that man, he said, just one man. But I found none. I found Therefore, I've poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way. Their own way. I'll say that again. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, says the Lord. This word lets me to know if there are a people that will separate themselves unto God, holy and acceptable and sacrifices unto him. And we'll begin to pray by the leading of the spirit. We could be the ones that make up the hedge, that stand in the gap. Stand with me tonight. That word difference that's in a couple of places there. Where it says put no difference or in Exodus where it said the Lord put a. I want the people to know I put a difference between Egypt and Israel. That word difference is distinguished. Distinct. Set apart. 
This is what he does with his people. This is what he does with his people. People should see you and I and say there's something different there. It just doesn't look and sound and they don't look, sound, act like everybody else I know. Something's different. What's different? We've been set apart. We didn't make ourselves different. He did this. And we began to obey his word. And as he began to lead us by his word and convict us in our lives, we began and continued to separate ourselves unto him in holiness unto the Lord. We read in Leviticus, we skipped over it tonight because of time. But go back and read these things. Search this out. You want to do a Bible study? Search clean and unclean, holy and unholy, profane. Just do a Bible study. You can spend the three or four hours I saved you tonight. Leviticus 13 and 14. All of Leviticus, by the way, is about putting a difference between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. All of Leviticus is a book of worship. Israel turned it into a book of laws and rules and guidelines because they had no relationship. But it's a book of worship. And you read Leviticus 13 and 14. It's, you know, sometimes it's one of those you're reading like, what in the world does all this have to do with me in 2021? You know, there's, if there's a white spot and it's got a hair in the middle of it that's sticking up. And I, I, right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? Read Leviticus. You'll understand. But you read Leviticus 13 and 14. Leviticus 13 and 14, those two chapters are all about leprosy. It's all the laws of leprosy, governing leprosy, where there's a spot and where there's not. And there is a progression to leprosy that we see in the Word of God. And it's the Holy Ghost speaking to the people of God. Leprosy is always, in the Old Testament, a type of sin. And so we see the laws concerning leprosy. Why is it that a leper always had to go around proclaiming unclean, unclean, unclean? There's something that's become a part of me that I'm no longer clean. You understand, a leper was put outside of the camp. A leper could not go to the tabernacle. A leper was put aside unclean. That's why when Jesus healed the leper... And so we see these laws of leprosy, and there's a progression if you read those two chapters. He first deals with the body. Leprosy in the flesh. He's dealing with the, the body individually. And then it progresses. And then he begins to deal with leprosy in their clothing. Talking about clean and unclean and separation and sin. He starts first with the individual. But then he begins dealing with the clothing. And then he begins dealing with their house. There's a pattern there. Doesn't take a whole lot of discernment to pick it up. He was dealing with places of separation and where sin would come in. I'm going to say it one more time. God does not intend for us to look like, act like, walk like, Talk like, sound like the world. 
He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. Understand, we're not trying to be better than. That's not the point. There's some that have taken holiness and started creating these rules and guidelines and taken on the spirit of elitism. That is not of God either. We're to humble ourselves and we understand holiness is of God. And so we're separated unto him for his purpose and his use. And so as his spirit leads me, I'm obedient to that. Amen. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. Would you talk to him with me right now? Would you talk to him with me? I want to be set apart unto you. I want to be separated unto you. This vessel is not my own anymore. I belong to you, Father. I belong to you. You have purchased me with your own blood. You purchased me with your own blood. Come on, I feel the conviction of the Spirit of God here in this room tonight for some of you. There's a resistance in our human nature that says, why can't I do this? Why? It's not about what I can or can't do. It's about separation unto the Lord. It's about His Spirit beginning to govern and lead my life so that I'm no longer making my own choices. I'm saying, God, I trust you more than I trust myself, and I want to be submitted to your will and purpose. And so, therefore, I pray, lead me by the Holy Ghost. Separate me unto you. Let me not justify actions. I want to be holy unto you. I want to be clean. I want distinction between the clean and the unclean. I want distinction between the holy and the profane. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I desire to be a sacrifice. An acceptable sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. Laid upon an altar that proves the will of God. So I pray the cleansing blood, the washing of the water and of the word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, he's purchased you with his own blood. He's brought you out of darkness and me out of darkness into his marvelous light. His design is to separate us unto himself and use us for his glory. Come on, holiness and separation, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart, uh, the relationship with him. And as the holiness of God begins to operate in my heart, it begins to manifest itself in everything else about my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
As we were praying, I was reminded of this. I want to share this with you, and I'm going to turn it here to Bishop. Sometimes we can read through Scripture and we miss. We don't always ask, well, why did they do that? And if you read through, I've had a conversation with uh, my boys along the journey. I I just want to give you an example sometimes help us. Let me give you an example. I had a conversation with my boys along the journey. Maybe some of you other young people, I can't remember. The priests, when they went before the Lord, they would wear these robes that went all the way to the ground. And when they went up to the altar, there, was, there were no steps to the altar. The altar was at ground level. And the reason why is because they would not want to step and thereby risk exposing their nakedness. That was unholy. And so they were concerned about what they would expose. And the scripture taught them that nakedness wasn't the complete absence of clothing. That nakedness was when the thigh became visible. They had exposed their nakedness. And so therefore, rather than risk any step in their garment rising enough to expose their thigh and expose their nakedness, and thereby be deemed unclean or unholy before the Lord, they would put this garment on that went all the way to the ground so that no matter the step, there was no risk of ever exposing their nakedness or their thigh. You see, what they did is they said, I don't want to see how close to the line I can get. I'm just going to make sure I don't even come to the line. Now, I want you to understand how that principle has affected my life and me talking to my boys. Paul said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. I've told my boys, I don't follow them around. See, they, it's between them and God now. I don't have a problem with you holding a girl's hand. I said, but there's some places you shouldn't touch. And it feels a lot different if you, if you touch them on the shoulder or if you touch them on the thigh. Why does it feel different? Because one's a place of nakedness. I'm talking to you about holiness and separation unto God. See, these things in the Scripture have purpose in our lives. They have purpose in our lives. And so if you wonder... Some of you guys, maybe you play basketball with me and you wonder why you never get to see my chicken legs. Somebody asks, are those your legs or are you riding a chicken? (laughs) Why? I'll tell you why. You understand? I know I'm not under the Old Testament law anymore. But there's something about, I just don't want to expose my thigh. Feels feels funny. I, just me standing here. And I'm nervous. You guys watch me. No, I. What is it? it? There are some principles of separation that were there in Scripture. See, sometimes we ask the wrong question. We ask, "Well, is that a heaven or hell issue?" That's not the right question. Here's the question: Is it pleasing to the Lord or not? 
Does it please my father or not? Does that make sense? Amen. I feel short today. Elder Hart said, uh, you know, seeing how close to the line we can get versus having a strong distinction. Years ago, I went on a business trip to Ketchikan, Alaska, and my boss was supposed to go to do this food show with me. He could not go, and so this is back when you could do this with tickets, airline tickets. I said, hey, can I take a friend? He said, sure, go ahead, use the ticket. And so I had a friend, Bruce Meadows. I knew he would always like to go to Alaska, and so I said, hey, why don't you go with me? And so we went to Ketchikan, and we uh, did the food show, and we had some time to kill after we had set our things up. And so he said, hey. You want to go bowling? I noticed there's a bowling alley next door. Sure, let's go bowling. I haven't bowled in years, you know. And so we went and we bowled, he and I, and we just had a good time. Now, the night before, we had gone out to dinner with Mitch Glover. Mitch Glover was the district secretary for Alaska for years, an Alaskan. And uh, we had a nice visit, and uh, it was what it was. Here we are the following night. We've gone bowling, and now we come back to the hotel. It's late. We've talked. We've had a great visit, good time. And he says, he gets out of bed. He starts pacing. He says, man, something's the matter. I'm not, I'm fe- I don't know what I'm feeling, but he said, something's the matter. And this is what he says. Maybe Mitch Glover doesn't believe in bowling. And I thought to myself, and you're feeling bad because of what somebody else may be convicted of? Maybe you're suspecting. And I thought, Whoa. And then when I left the situation, I thought, I want to be like that. I want to have a sensitivity that it reaches beyond my own personal sensitivity. That I could be affected possibly by others. In in whatever their separating unto the Lord is. In other words, I didn't need to, you know, give me line and verse, give me, you know, don't tell me that, but just have a sensitivity that somebody else's that may have conviction because he was the pastor in that city in Ketchikan. I'd never seen anything like that before or since, and it's marked my life. But as this teaching came forward tonight, it was refreshed in me. The idea, not to see how close to the line we can get without violating some law or principle, but really finding that place of sensitivity in God that we could remove as far away as possible unto the Lord.
Let me say something else. I think somebody was caught off guard tonight. I think there may be some that the teaching and the ministry, this, the, the, uh, the spirit of ministry kind of caught you off guard. Now, I was surprised there wasn't six or seven that were in the altar when I saw Brother Garcia. Matter of fact, I thought maybe he got up a little early. I'd like to open this altar again. It is important for us to respond to what the beckoning of the Holy Ghost brings to our life and our situations. He knows our frame. Come on, find a place on your knees, would you? Come on, did you feel the Holy Ghost rise in here? Did you, did you feel the hair on your arms begin to stand up? Come on, let the conviction of the Holy Ghost set in, settle in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
My wife had a grand, my, well, yeah, my wife had a grandfather. He's passed away. His name was Dick Goins. Every once in a while, in visiting him, he would share stories how he had traveled and, and been a part of different churches through the years. And he would talk about the things that they did or didn't do because of where they were going to church. In other words, the pastor over an assembly, the shepherd, would teach certain things. And uh, so while they were attending there, and this is what he taught his kids, if you're going to attend there, then be responsive to the convictions that are taught to you and preach from the Word of God. And so I wonder here tonight. If you might honor, you know, no matter what your own stance is on something, personally, but if you might honor the things that your shepherd shares with you, you you heard how he relayed them, okay? And he didn't put that on you. But I would dare say that if an individual would honor the things that they heard, not just from the elder, but from the voice of the Lord, which is the spirit of ministry, that there would be a direct correlation to the manifested anointing in your own life. See, there's a degree of separation that I take. But what about the degree that I might take in response to the things that have been taught or shared with me? There's a, there will be a direct correlation to the manifested anointing in your own life because it is a degree of separation unto, unto. Let there be a challenge to you. Amen. God bless you. I'm aware of the time. I have a responsibility to share this with you. You're going to get the super condensed version, and you may hear more later. When we get into the New Testament, especially if you read the Gospel of Mark, we find multiple accounts of people being brought to Jesus in bondage and under the influence of unclean spirits. They didn't start under the bondage of an unclean spirit. They just continued to entertain an unclean spirit. And the longer they entertained it, they could no longer differentiate between the clean and the unclean. 
And they thought they were managing it without realizing they had come into bondage to the unclean spirit. And try as they might, they could not be free. And so Jesus took his disciples and said, Behold, I give you power over unclean spirits. You're hearing the cry of the intercessor. the church will put a difference between the clean and the unclean, then he will give the church authority over the unclean. But as long as the church fellowships the unclean, that's why there must be a difference. This is what he's calling us to. So that he can do the work that he must do and desires to do in the earth. In Jesus' name. God bless you. This is going to stay in your spirit, I know. 
Don't try to push it off. Fellowship Him and fellowship His Word in it and His Spirit in it. Amen. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. Greet someone today.